came up this morning, you broke a barrier. Not just for you, but for your family. You broke a barrier for your generation. You broke a barrier for your friends. That thing that you feel like you've just been running against a wall, against a wall, against a wall this morning, what you did just by getting out of your seat and coming up here, you broke that. Let me say it differently. You were obedient just to step out. Probably took everything you had just to step out. You stepping out opened the door and gave God permission to break the wall down for you. It's obliterated. And the thing about when God breaks a wall down, it can never be put back. God removes it and it can never be put back. You partnered with heaven this morning in doing that. Thank you. Thank you. You broke a barrier for our church today. Thank you for doing that. Thank you, Lord. A barrier breaker anointing. Nobody in your family, here's what I'm hearing specifically, nobody in your lineage has ever owned their home. You're the barrier breaker. Your family, uh, cancer, in your family, you're the barrier breaker. Uh, Marriage, divorces running in your family, you're the barrier breaker. Education, no one ever completing education uh, or doing anything, something past a certain point, you're the barrier breaker. Culturally, you're barrier breakers. That means, what that means is things have gone to a certain point and then it stops. Or it's, it's just like we were just talking about, that there's like a wall, you keep running into this wall. I'm hearing that also this morning for intimacy with God, a barrier breaker anointing for intimacy with God. It feels like you just come up against something and that that's as far as you can go. And what God is releasing right now is a barrier breaking anointing. And so if that is where you're at, you're experiencing that, you have experiencing that, you're going to stand in for your generation, you're going to stand in for your culture, you're going to stand in for your church, you're going to stand in for our region, we're going to stand in for our country, we're going to stand in for our world, we're going to stand in for those who don't know the good news. Right now, there is a barrier-breaking anointing present, and Father, we thank you and we praise you. If that, just stick your hands out and just grab a hold of it. Father, we thank you that today barriers are being broken barriers are being destroyed and in that they can never be put back they can never be reestablished because god what you do is done from an eternal realm and it is established in eternity and it is released now into this earthly realm and in the name of jesus declare this with me say release 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 heaven in jesus name Declare it. Release heaven in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that all that you have declared, all that you have desired will come to pass. And declare this with me. Say, I am am your partner partner on this earth earth to bring heaven. heaven. Today, Today. barriers are broken broken. in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. Melissa, can you come and stand with Jervis? This morning we are so honored to have Jervis and Melissa Fisher here from Belize. They are, yes. Mana, can you come out here? Jervis and Melissa, for those of you that don't know, are, first of all, they are family they are precious and they are here. Can all of you guys raise your hands because they brought their family from Belize. Yes. Thank you for being here. I had the honor of getting to go. I don't want to cry. I have a good makeup today. <laughs> I had the honor of getting to go and be with them in Belize and to see what they do firsthand. And here's what I heard the Lord saying is, and what you guys need to know, because we're going to pray for them in a minute. Mana, I feel like you have a special thing to release over them. And so if you would go stand with them and just extend your hands, whatever the Lord is showing you. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, Jervis and Melissa are not just running a home for children. They are changing culture in Belize. That is an apostolic mantle. Apostolic isn't just, and for so long, the church has defined apostolic as starting new works. Well, a person who goes and opens a gas station is not necessarily apostolic. Anybody can start something. It takes a true apostolic anointing to begin a new work, to till the ground where the ground has not been tilled. Darren, if you can come and CW. If anybody is feeling uh, just called right now, Christine, please come. Come and just gather around them, extend your hands, whatever God is leading you to do. Pray over their feet. I feel like someone needs to pray over their feet. Uh, Jervis and Melissa, you have tilled the ground and there's some really, really big rocks that uh, you have been trying to move. I feel like there's like the surface of the rock, the top of the rock is showing. And you, the further you dig, the bigger you see this rock is. And there are things that have felt immovable for you. And there is a new release of anointing coming for you as the apostolic forerunners in your country. There is a release of familial anointing that is flowing through you. And the bondage of abandonment, the bondage of lack, and fatherlessness is being broken. Jervis, you carry a very heavy, heavy uh, anointing of breaking generational curses of fatherlessness. But it feels very heavy at times, but God wants you to know that when you feel the burden of that, to get with him in worship. You are a beautiful worshiper, Jervis, and God is just reminding you when the weight is heavy, get on your knees and worship. When the weight is heavy, get on your knees and worship. And you guys, when, when you see Jervis getting on his knees to worship, I want to just encourage you. Can you guys come? Come right now. Yeah. You guys extend your hands to all these beautiful, beautiful children of God. Yeah, y'all come on up. When you see Jervis worshiping, when you see Melissa worshiping and they're on their knees, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to go to them and I want you to... 
want you to put your hands on their shoulders just like this and remind them, remind them you are carrying the mantle for me. Yeah? Can you guys do this now? Do this for Jervis and Melissa. To remind them, stretch your hands out towards them. They are not just running a home for children in Belize, but what they are doing is they are placing, they have established on their campus homes for children to live in in family units that they've never experienced before. They are shifting the culture of an entire country. And this is the weight that the Lord has trusted them with. But he says to you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but you must stay yoked with me. Because in your yoking with him, where he goes, you go. What he does, you do. And what he releases, you release. The apostolic mantle is resting on you. It is resting. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to declare out loud, if you would. If you pray in your prayer language, begin to extend your prayer language, that heavenly declaration towards them. If you just want to pray blessing, speak blessing, speak life. Father, we thank you for provision. We thank you for endurance to run the race. Endurance to run the race in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus' name. cellular level the cells of your body
is everywhere that you go, you change things. You establish something new because God is putting something new in you. And you are marked by God for a very special purpose. Maybe somebody else didn't know that you were marked. Look at one another and say, you're marked. You're marked. I think maybe somebody else didn't know that you were marked, but God marked you. And you are marked, and you know that you are marked because you are with Jerusalem and Melissa. Because God marked them. And God does not bring people to them that are not marked. He's actually called each one of you, and he knows your name. And you are very, very precious. Can I say that you are his favorite? And that is why you are with Jervis and Melissa at LOL. Because you are God's favorite. Out of all of the kids that could be at LOL, God chose you because you are his favorite. And he placed you there for a very special reason. So be listening all the time, okay? Be listening, God. What are you doing with me here? What do you want me to do to partner with you in this place that you have me right now? And God, I say yes to where you're taking me. Will you tell him yes to the adventure that he wants to take you on? Because he's much bigger than you are. Oh, the places that you will go and the things that you will see. The things that you will see are lots more than what you have dreamed of. Yeah? (laughs) God's marked you. next to you and say, it's a good morning. It is a good morning. Like we could just all go home now, huh? You could be the first at the buffet. (laughs) If you want to be the first at the buffet, you're welcome to go. We got a little bit more good stuff, but anyway, uh, if you have never spoken with Jervis and Melissa, they are such a precious couple. And like I said, I had the honor, gosh, I can't remember how long ago that was. A long time ago that I got to go and, and be there and actually to be, to be on their campus and to see what God is doing there is quite spectacular. And if you're a good cook and you uh, can cook for Melissa and make donuts, then talk to her because she may want you to come and, and cook for her for a little while. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for being here today. My name is Lynette, if I've not had the opportunity to meet you personally. And we want to make a special welcome to our Kingdom Ranch family in Merced, California. Can you all welcome them online? Yeah. We're glad to have you with us. And it is, uh, it's a good day. It is a good day today. Look at somebody and say, it's a good day. It's a good day. This morning, I want to continue with, uh, uh, I spoke two weeks ago, Trey was here last week, and I started something two weeks ago 
And we're going to continue that together today. And uh, what we talked about two weeks ago, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time. If you weren't here, I encourage you just to go online and find it and listen to it because I don't have a lot of time to go back and, and cover that. But basically what we talked about is um, David being a atmosphere changer. And we talked about not speaking weather-wise, not barometric pressure, but being an atmosphere changer. And we talked about when he went to the valley where the battle was not taking place. <laughs> People were running and hiding every week or every day. But uh, David went and fought Goliath. And when he fought Goliath, he made a declaration before he ever stepped out onto the battlefield. And he declared his covenant. And when he declared his covenant, a shift took place in the atmosphere. And when he declared his covenant before he ever entered into battle, he had already declared the victory. And what David did is he shifted the atmosphere from a place of defeat into a place of victory. He shifted the atmosphere. And what we talked about is that God has called us to be thermostats, not thermometers. We are not a people that walks into a room and adjusts to what is in the room and what is happening and that we meld into the environment and we water down and we become diluted in order to fit into what is happening in our world and in, in the room of wherever, whatever space we're occupying. But uh, that is a thermometer, but a thermostat comes into a room and changes the environment. We are called by God to walk into rooms and change environments. And the reason that we are able to do that is because we carry the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have the very spirit in us that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us in every room, every space, every... uh, moment that we enter into, we carry that same power. So we are not to go into a room and to turn that power down. We're to go into a room and release that power and become the thermostat in that room to change that atmosphere. Amen. Amen. So that's basically what we talked about last week. But one of the things that I shared with you in that was the position that we are in to change that atmosphere. One of the keys to shifting atmospheres was to stay in position. And our position is stated very clearly to us in the scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 6 in the Passion Translation. It reads like this. It says, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Now, this is not a scripture that is being written for someone who has died. This is a passage that is written for those of us who are here walking on this earth. And the minute that we partner our life with God and we give him our life and we say yes to Jesus, when Jesus asked the disciples, he didn't say, would you come to the front and pray a prayer? Would you repeat after me? That is not what Jesus did. He said, will you come and follow me? Will you leave what you know? Will you leave everything that is familiar to you? And will you come and follow me and do things the way that I do them? Because I do things the way the father does them. Jesus said, come and follow me. So for every person who says yes 
to following Jesus, this scripture here says, we are now raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places. You say, how is that possible? Your spirit became born again. And when your spirit became born again, now your home, your residence is now in the third realm of heaven. What the heck is a third realm of heaven? Well, Paul talks about it. Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. Paul says, I know a man, whether in his body or not, I'm not sure, but he visited the third heaven. The third heaven is the place where the father is seated on his throne. That is the place where all heavenly power and authority resides. Now, if there is a third heaven, it stands to reason mathematically that there's a second heaven. The second heavenly realm is the realm where the demonic and the angelic do battle. So if you can think of it kind of in layers. So this layer up here, this third layer, this is the heavenly realm. This is where God declares from. This is where God speaks from. The second realm here, this is where the battle is taking place. This is where, uh, this is where the enemy throws a fishing line from. From that realm right there, he throws the fishing line into the earthly realm to see if you will take the bait. He goes fishing. He casts out different thoughts. He casts out different uh, ideas. But the thing of it is, is he can no longer create because he's not partnered with the creator. So he can't come up with anything new. He just presents it in a different package. He finds new ways of trying to sell you the same doo-doo. But it's the same doo-doo. But he's throwing it out to see if you will bite. So that's where that happens from. Then we are here in the physical walking on this earth. So those are the three different realms. I'll, I'll just share this story really quickly. Several, several years ago, uh, a very, very precious friend of mine was uh, in very bad shape from cancer. And she called me and wanted me to come and see her in Texas. <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm just, I told her, I said, if you're going to die, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to watch you die. But if you're going to live and you're going to fight to live, then I'm, I will be on my way. And she said, I, I am fighting and I need somebody to come sit with me and fight with me. So I said, I'm coming. Darren told me not to book a return flight home. He said, I don't know how long you're going to need to be there. So I went and I sat with Robin <clears throat> and Robin was so weak. She had not eaten or drank anything in over 14 days when I got there. And you say, that's impossible. God, but God, Amen. I went and I sat by her bedside and I knew that my assignment going there was to sit by her side and simply pray. My job was to pray for her so that she could enter into the heavenly realm where all healing and power flows from. I sat next to her bed and I prayed for her and uh, she went somewhere else. Her body was, her physical body was still there, but she was gone. And as I prayed, I felt the atmosphere change. And Robin went into another place. 
She described it to me when she came back and her eyes opened again and she cried tears. For a person who has not drank any fluid or liquid in 14 days, that was a miracle. Robin went to another realm. I believe that when Robin passed, she passed because there was so much love in that realm. She told me, she said, I want to go back. And I told her, okay, but you can't stay there. You have to come back here. And we would pray together and she would go into the heavenly realm. There was power that was there to be released for her. And she experienced that in a beautiful and a powerful way. As I was looking at this, this earthly realm here, this is where we're at. This is where the enemy throws the fishing line from to see if we're going to take the bait, to see if we're going to bite, to see if we're going to allow the deception, if we're going to partner with what he is throwing out. But our mission on earth is to bring heaven on earth by rooting our soul in heaven while treading our souls on earth. Our mission is to root our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions in the heavenly realm while treading the soles of our feet on this earth. Because the scripture says to us in Deuteronomy that every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. God has placed us here on this planet to walk our feet in his authority and his power to establish his dominion on earth as it is in heaven. So our souls are rooted in the heavenly realm while our souls walk on this earth. You follow? Yes. So last week we talked about our position. So let's go a little bit deeper this week. Are you ready? The scripture says in, uh, I'm going to read out of Mark chapter eight, Jesus is on a boat with his disciples and he has just left feeding a massive amount of people. So he gets in the boat in Mark chapter eight, starting in verse 14, he says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he, Jesus charged them saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we don't have bread? But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves, see, he says to them, do you not remember? Then Jesus recounts what each one of them experienced personally. He says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the four, for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Jesus wasn't asking them the question about the physical. He was asking them to shift their thinking. He was saying, you experience something that is not of this realm. How is it that you don't understand? But he gave them a warning first. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were religious rulers of that day, but the Pharisees 
we're not leading people into relationship with the heavenly father. The Pharisees were people who were uh, judging and establishing religion based on outward performance. Based on how well you did everything, how well you crossed the T's and dotted the I's. That's what the Pharisees were basing their religion on. And Jesus warns them, beware of the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees. Then he goes on and he says to them, beware of the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod. Herod was the king over Judea at the time. And the leaven of Herod was representative of the political system. Herod represented the rulership and the power of the political system at the time, which the political system is very self-motivated, it's very earthly motivated, and it's very power hungry. It seeks to control and to dominate, but it seeks to do that through the control of the mind. And Jesus says to them, I want you to beware of the religious system that causes you to place your eyes on performance. And I want you to beware of the political system that causes you to place your dependency on any other kingdom than mine. Because when you place your dependency on the kingdom of Herod, that leaven, that yeast will get in you and a little tiny bit will affect everything that you do. And Jesus is saying, beware of that. Isn't it miraculous that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke then what is so relevant to us now? What he was saying to them is he was saying the religious system will cause you to not recognize the miracles and to understand the provision of heaven that is given to you. And the political system will cause you to draw your attention from the provision and the power of heaven and to seek the power of man. And Jesus said, beware, beware of this. Why? Because it will pull your awareness and it will pull your focus away from what God is doing and place your focus on the inferior. Because what you give your attention to will thrive. The best example I have of this is a kid learning to ride a bicycle. How many, I don't know about y'all, but I think America's Funniest Home Videos is one of the most brilliant shows ever put on television. Anytime you see those videos of kids learning to ride their bikes, there is one mailbox. (laughs) The pole is this big. One mailbox. And that little guy will be on their bike and they're riding and where they're focusing, where they're putting their attention, they are in a collision course with the one mailbox where you put your attention that will thrive. The attention isn't on the wide open sidewalk and the wide open street that they have with their parent running along with them and the path and the way have been made wide open and made available. Yet the focus is on the inferior And causes a crash. Causes a wreck. Where we put our attention, that is what will thrive. And Jesus is telling us through this scripture here, he's saying, do not put your attention on the inferior, but put your attention and your focus on what I am doing. Put your attention and your focus 
on the power and the provision coming from the heavenly realm. Don't yoke yourself with the religious system that will put you into performance and works. And don't yoke yourself with a political system that will drive division and control. This is not a political message. And if you make it political, you're going to miss. This is the same thing that Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod. So don't get your focus that I'm here making a political statement. I am not. But I want you to be aware of what's going on. When we are seated in that heavenly place in Christ Jesus, our mind, our will, and our emotions become drawn and attracted to what God is doing. And everything that the enemy is doing is trying to get you to put your attention on what he is doing. Because where you put your focus will thrive. So how do you stay in this position? I'm so glad you asked. What holds you in that place? In Ephesians chapter 3, Starting in verse 16, Ephesians is probably one of my very favorite places to read in scripture. If I'm in a spot where I'm not really sure what to read that morning, or if I'm in between readings of something, Ephesians, or I'll read and read Ephesians. Ephesians is one of my favorite places to read. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, we're just going to jump in right there. And it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Whose glory and whose riches? It's not ours. So it's not dependent upon what you have. That again would be the leaven of the Pharisees. So he says, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, it would be very, very easy just to read right over that and make them words. But what the scripture is saying to us is that we are to be rooted and grounded in love. And when we are rooted and grounded in love, that we are strengthened with all of the might of God. In the Greek, that's a lot. That was funny, (laughs) y'all. The scripture says that we are rooted and grounded in love. That means those two words, rooted is to become stable and grounded is to lay a foundation and to establish So when it says that we are rooted and grounded in love, what that means is that we create by abiding, by living, by staying, by putting our focus on what God is doing, that we become rooted in that position in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realm. That that is where our stability comes from. And the longer we grow, the more we root down, the more stable we become, the more grounded we become, and we are held in place by love. 
the picture that I get in my mind is like a, <clears throat> it's like a seatbelt that were held in place by the safety and the protection of love. Amen. But see, it says that we are rooted and grounded in love. But if every time the enemy throws a line out and I go chasing after what I think that I need to chase after, whatever the enemy is doing, and he throws those thoughts in front of me, and the minute that I get up out of that place, I uproot everything, and I go running off, and instability follows. That is where, when storms happen, see, uh, years ago, Darren and I, before we had kids, we were at his mom and dad's house, and we were planning to go, so we were getting ready to leave in a, in a couple days, and we checked our bank account, and we had... 200 less than what we thought we had, which was nothing. And I freaked out. I mean, freaked out. I was crying. I was upset. Why is this happening? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, it's because we've been here and I haven't been spending time in the word every morning. I haven't been spending my time with God. And now Satan stole all of our money. And my husband in all of his wisdom looked at me in patience and said, no, that's not what happened. The same thing would be happening if we had been spending hours in the word every morning. It's just that you would be handling it better. <laughs> it was true. It was very true. I had uprooted and went chasing after fear and worry and doubt because of what was presented in front of me. Rather than staying rooted and grounded in my position, I was quite unstable. Have you ever been around people who are like that? It's not pleasant. Y'all should praise the Lord that Darren put up with me. It's not pleasant. So Jesus here is teaching us that he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love and to not be ignorant of the things that the enemy is going to throw out there to try and get us to leave that position. And the reason that the enemy wants you to leave that position is because all provision and power are in that position in Christ Jesus. And if he can get you to come out of that position, he's one. Because when you leave that position, you leave your place of authority. When you leave that position, you leave your place of power. You're now resorting back to what you can do on your own, your own resources, your own strength, your own knowledge, your own education. The moment that we leave our position, we become vulnerable. But in position, even when things are hard, even when we face struggle, and even when we face disappointment, from that position, we will make it through. Amen? So I want to discuss some specific things that pull us from position. And there's many, many that I could share with you this morning, but I want to discuss these specific ones. One, because I feel like this is very much where the world is targeting. The spirit of the world is targeting us in this, these places right now. Um, again, there's, there's many that we could, could go through, but these I feel are more deceptive. And so I want to discuss these ones that are deceptive because the nature of deception is that you don't know that you're being deceived, right? 
So these are the ones that uh, were come to my forefront that I felt like God wanted us to just be aware of this morning. And the first one that tries to pull us from our position is fear and worry. That's one that I want to talk about. In First uh, John's four eighteen, it says, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love." And you read that, and you think, "Well, my goodness, I know that I struggle with fear, so am I even saved? Because I've not been made perfect in love yet." That word "perfect" actually means to be brought to full maturity. And when something is brought to full maturity, it's stable. Think of it as a, as a root system. So when a tree is brought to full maturity, it has deep roots and it's established. And so when he says, if we struggle with fear, it means that we still need to press and grow in being rooted. And he's saying that if you are in me, because God is love. And so if we are in him, we are in his perfect love. And when we are seated in him, in our position of authority, fear has no control over us. We don't make decisions based on fear. We don't treat other people based on fear. We don't move and and navigate our life based on fear when we're seated in love. Because there is no fear in love. What I have noticed is that when there is a decrease in love, there is an increase in fear. And I see that running rampant in our culture right now, in our world. Everything that the enemy is doing is to drive a decrease in love, to put us at odds with this person, to put us at disagreement with this uh, party, to put us at uh, enmity with these people over here so that we decrease love. And as love decreases, the agenda comes in to raise the fear. But if we raise the love, fear has no power. Fear and worry. The next one is unforgiveness and bitterness. I'm going to go through these kind of fast because I want to get somewhere. The next one is unforgiveness and bitterness. See, offense, being offended, opens the door to unforgiveness and bitterness. And the Bible tells us to not be easily offended. If you are easily offended... You are opening yourself to a hardened heart. Offense comes and it comes and it comes. And as we are continually giving ourselves to the bait of offense, our heart grows more calloused and more calloused and more calloused. And that's the agenda. That's the purpose of it. Unforgiveness and bitterness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There is no, there is no soft way to put that. It, that. There is no gray area there. <laughs> forgive so that you can be forgiven. And if we are holding unforgiveness in our hearts towards anyone, toward a person, toward a group of people, if we are holding unforgiveness and bitterness, it shuts the door. We close the door to receiving the grace and the forgiveness that the Heavenly Father gives to us. 
We had a beautiful discussion at Women's Night a couple of nights ago. And this was the question was posed to me, do you get offended? I'm, not, I'm just going to be real. Yeah, I do. That long. Yes, I am human. Things, things bother me. But the purpose and the call that God has on my life and that God has on your life is far more important than any unforgiveness and offense that you will ever carry. Forgiveness and offense will cut off the flow from God. And God doesn't cut it off. We do. Pulls us out of position. The next one is jealousy and envy. James chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. See, he says that envy and self-seeking, every evil thing and confusion are there. Where is that? That's there in that second realm. He says every evil thing and confusion are there. That second realm, that second layer, every evil thing and confusion, that's where they reside. That's their playground. But he says the wisdom that is from above. Where is that? Where we're seated. Where we're to live from where we're to live and move and have our being, where we're to be rooted, the wisdom that is from above. So if you are sensing confusion in your life, if you are if you're just have that, that thing, feel the way that it feels sometimes to me is like there's just like this whirlwind of stuff going on around you and you can't seem to stop it, it's confusion. Jealousy and envy will cause that whirlwind. So ask yourself, Lord, where, where is this coming from? Where is this coming at me from? Have I taken the bait somewhere? Did I bite the hook somewhere? Because see what happens is when you and I seat ourselves, when we stay seated in that position that God has for us, there's unlimited supply there. Just because CW has an amazing anointing and he can do this and he can do that. He can pray with people. It doesn't mean that there's less anointing for you. Just because Kirstie can sing and she can worship and just because Lacey can raise her hands and she's on the stage doesn't mean that there's less worship for you. Because when we are seated in our position in the heavenly realm, there's more than enough. Our father doesn't only have so much gifting to give out. And then the next child walks up and says, Heavenly Father, I'm here for my gifting. He's like, not too late. You didn't get up early enough. (laughs) There's more than enough. And when we are connected with our Heavenly Father, there's more than enough supply. There's more than enough gifting. There's more than enough anointing. There's more than enough. And there's no reason to be jealous or envious of anyone anywhere at any time. As a matter of fact, we look at when someone else is thriving in their gift and someone else is really demonstrating the power and the Holy Spirit is flowing through them. We look at them, we say, "Uh uh-huh, that's my brother and my sister. Look at them go. We got the same daddy. I got the same stuff on the inside of me. 
we're not jealous and we're not afraid that because they're shining that I'm going to be in the shadow. We celebrate when someone else shines because we're seeing the same spirit operating through them that flows through me. And maybe seeing them shine helps me to come out just a little bit more so that I'm ready to shine a little bit more. It encourages us. It strengthens us. It builds us up. So where jealousy and envy and confusion are is in that second realm, and we don't want to be there. The last one that I want to talk about is a religious mindset that will pull you out of position. The Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time that Jesus was walking on the earth, had such a religious mindset that they couldn't even recognize the Christ standing in front of them. A religious mindset will draw your focus and your attention so much on the traditions and the performance and all of the doing that you completely miss the miracles of God happening all around us all the time. Our focus is so drawn to something else. When all the while God is moving but we miss partnering with him because we're so focused on other things. And what I have found is that a religious mindset really takes hold when a critical and a judgmental spirit enter into our hearts. The critical and judgmental spirit will look at other people. First of all, it looks down its nose at everyone. And you're critical of what other people are doing because they're not doing what you're doing. And because they're not doing what you're doing, that's the critical part, because they're not doing what you're doing, they're not as holy as you are. That's the judgmental part. So when the critical and the judgmental enter together, a religious spirit runs rampant. And when a religious spirit runs rampant, a religious spirit has no grace. Because a religious spirit pups itself up in pride. And God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And a person who has removed themselves from grace has no grace to give. So that religious spirit, it's the one that says, well, I don't eat pepperoni on my pizza because we're not supposed to eat pork. And if you eat pepperoni on your pizza, then you don't hear from God like I do. It's the attitude that says, well, I raise my hands up as high as I can get them in worship and anyone who is standing with their hands in their pockets is not really worshiping God. Is it good to raise your hands and worship? Absolutely. But the minute that we judge someone else for not doing what we're doing and become critical of that and judge them for that, that's where we enter into the danger zone because we've come out of position. And that can happen on anything. It's so, it's so sneaky. So that's where we have to be aware of it so that we don't bite the hook when Satan goes fishing. It pulls us into a place of looking what other people are doing. And now here's the thing. Candace spoke on this a couple weeks ago or last month at women's group. 
God may speak a conviction to you. That conviction is not doctrine. God may speak to you and tell you, I don't want you to drink soda pop anymore. However, that is a conviction between you and God. If you drink soda pop, is it wrong? If God has told you not to, then don't do it. But just because Pastor Darren drinks a Dr. Pepper doesn't mean that he's going to hell. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Your conviction from Holy Spirit is absolutely valid and should absolutely be yielded to and is the utmost importance. But you putting your conviction on someone else quickly opens the door to being critical and judgmental because Pastor Darren drinks Dr. Pepper with his pepperoni pizza. (laughs) Amen, he says. Beware of that. What we give attention to will thrive. And we desire for the kingdom of God to thrive in us and through us. And in order for that to happen, we must make it our priority to be rooted and grounded in love. In a world that is driving hatred, in a world that is driving incompassion, I just made a word up, incompassion. Do you like that word? Thank you. Thank you, Bailey. These things pull us out of a position. It doesn't matter who you get mad at. It doesn't matter who you disagree with. That's not the point. The point is to pull you out of your position of authority. Because when fear pulls you out of authority, when criticism and judgment pulls you out of authority, when envy and jealousy pull you out of authority, when a religious spirit pulls you out of authority, now you're vulnerable. And you put a target on yourself. And you are no longer establishing the kingdom of heaven everywhere you tread your foot, your soul. That's why we're here. We want the kingdom of God in our lives. We want the kingdom of God in our families. We want the kingdom of God in our businesses. We want the kingdom of God in our schools. We want the kingdom of God in our government. We want the kingdom of God in our city. We want the kingdom of God in our county. We want the kingdom of God in our state, in our country, and in our world. But that can't happen if we are constantly being pulled out of the very position that the kingdom of God is released from. And that's the whole tactic of the enemy. Rhett, if you would, go ahead and come up. So right now, I want to take this moment and this opportunity because, man, the world is loud. Isn't it, though? And like I said, there's many, many other things that can pull you out of position. There's uh, lust, there's sexual immorality, there's anger and rage. You know, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of things that we could mention. Those, those seem to be a little more obvious. And so I wanted to discuss this morning those things that can, can be deceptive because that's the nature of deception is we don't know when we're being deceived. And that is the number one tactic of the enemy is deception to get us to believing something 
that is not God's truth. And I believe that this morning that some of us have believed some things about ourselves and about the situations around us that are not God's truth. So I want to take the opportunity right now to open up this space for us to repent. To repent from partnering with that fishing line that the enemy throws out. And what repentance does is repentance takes us from this place of confusion, from this place of lack, from this place of hurt, from this place of brokenness. Repentance takes us from that place and it says, come sit with me, child. Repentance put us right back into the lap of our father. And our father's so good that he doesn't say, oh my Look how dirty you are. Why don't you go clean yourself off before you come running to sit in my lap? Has anybody ever picked up a child and sat them on their lap that they have messed their pants? (laughs) And then you get it all over you. (laughs) But you know what? When it's your child, you don't push them down in the dirt. You just love them. And you change their pants for them because you're their parent and that's what a good parent does and our heavenly father is a good father whenever we come with dirt on our face or dirty pants he doesn't push us away and say go clean yourself and then come to me he says come to me because I'm the one who can restore you it's only in the father's presence that you can be restored So as I was praying for us today, what I want to do is I want to pray together corporately and we're going to just repent together for anything. If you have something that's between you and God, that repentance is between you and God is so intimate, but it's so powerful. And repentance is very simply saying, I know that I was going this direction and I was partnering with the wrong thing. And now I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to break that off and I'm going to partner with God. That's what repentance is. It's doing a 180 and going the other direction with God. Very simple. But what I saw this morning was as people were repenting, I saw people coming to sit in the Father's lap, physically coming to restore their position of power and authority. And I saw people sitting on the floor here, and I saw people sitting on the stage because it was hard for them to to get on the floor and to get up. So I want to open this up right now. And if you know that you need to restore that place, that you need the Father to restore your position for you this morning, then I invite you to come right now. Sit on the stairs, sit on the floor, wherever you need to sit. Stay in your seat if you like, but first we're going to repent and then we're going to establish that position. So if at any time you want to come, I invite you to come. But before we can do that, we have to first assure that we have said yes to Jesus. That we say yes when Jesus says, will you come and follow me? Will you come follow me? He's offering an invitation right now and he's saying, will you come with me? And if you've never said yes to Jesus before, if you've never said, yes, I want to follow you, now is your invitation, your personal opportunity from the kingdom of God to say, come and enter in. 
Come enter into all that is good. Come enter into all of the forgiveness. Come enter into all of the love. Come enter into the place where guilt and shame no longer speak to you and try to control you and dictate your future. Come enter in to all the promise and all of the goodness that the Father has for you. Come enter in. And if you've never done that before, say yes this morning. So as that's going on, then I want to say, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if that is you, agree in prayer. And I invite you to declare it out loud. It's important. This is the decade of declaration. It is important for you to say it out loud. It doesn't have to be at the top of your lungs, but it needs to be loud enough for you to hear yourself say it and for all the power to hear you say it. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I know that there are more that need to come up front to take your place, and it is a barrier-breaking opportunity. Do not, I'm saying to you right now, do not allow that enemy to keep you in your seat. Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that the enemy sends deception and sends lies. And Father, today we declare that we are not a people that partners with deception and lies, but we partner with your truth because we are your children. And I want you to say that out loud. I invite you to say, I am your child. Declare this out loud. I hear my father's voice and I do not listen to a lie. Say this with me. I declare lies no longer have authority in my life. I declare I am seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am seated, I am rooted, and I am grounded. Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent. for partnering with fear and worry. I am rooted and grounded in perfect love. Fear and worry no longer have authority in my life. Take a deep breath and soak that in. Father, I repent for partnering with unforgiveness and bitterness. I am not offended. I will not be offended. Unforgiveness and bitterness. I tell you to go. I choose to forgive. And now rest in that for just a moment. Wherever the hurt is, wherever the bitterness is right now, choose. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a process. It's a choice right now. You choose to forgive. And if there are specific people that are being brought to your remembrance right now, choose to forgive. As I was praying, I specifically felt there was a trauma from a divorce. And God wants to heal that trauma this morning. I, I, I heard that he wants to heal a heart. 
But in order to start that, he's asking for you to open the door to the healing through forgiveness. So if that is you, just do that right now. And say right there, if you need to, we're going to go on. Father, I repent for partnering with jealousy and envy. I do not agree with that. And that is not who I am. I am filled with the wisdom from above. And there are unlimited resources that flow to me and through me in Jesus' name. And Father, I repent for any religious thinking. I break it off. I am not critical or judgmental. I am full of grace, of love, of wisdom from above and power. Flow through me, Father. I give you permission to flow through me. Use me, Father, to establish your kingdom everywhere I go. Flow through me. And if you would, just as an act of obedience, just open your hands up right now. And just, I want you to, with your holy imagination, imagine beautiful golden oil flowing through your hands. And the oil in the scripture is representative of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see this oil and I want you, it's going to come dripping off of your fingertips and dripping off of your hands. And when it drips off of you, I want you to see it dripping to the ground. So that everywhere you go, this oil touches. Everywhere you go, this oil is dripping off of you. And that oil is the Holy Spirit, is the kingdom of God flowing through you, flowing to you, filling you up to overflowing so that everywhere that you go, you change the atmosphere because the Spirit of God in you is greater. Every other thing is inferior. Every other thing is submitted under the feet of Jesus Christ. That golden oil, just imagine, it's it's like it has light in it, that oil. Can you see it? And it's dripping off of your fingertips. So everyone that you touch experiences this power of heaven. Everywhere you go experiences the power of heaven. And the place that you are seated now, is in the lap of your heavenly father where all power flows from. Everything that happens here on this earth is inferior to the reality of the heavenly realm. The place you are seated now, this is where walking on water happens. This is where water flowing from rocks happens. This is where parting seas happens. This is where diseases are healed. This is where the dead are raised. This is where... Uh, people walk in the wilderness with all provision from this place right here no inflation no economic turn no political office no nothing no disease no sickness has more power than the place that you are seated in right now this is where you stay I want you to get a, a 
holy imagination picture of where you're seated right now because this is where you stay. And I want you to declare this, say, I am rooted and I am being made perfect in love because I am loved with perfect love. In Jesus' name. Get a picture of it right here. This is where you stay. You don't move from right here. And you can be in this place anywhere, anytime. And whenever turmoil is happening around you, this is where you go. This is when the Bible talks about the secret place. This is your secret place. And it's available to you all the time, everywhere. So I want you to take a deep breath in this place. Breathe it in. Every cell of your body, every emotion, every feeling, every heart, breathe it in. Thank you, Father. In this place, we are healed. We are made whole. And let me say this because I see it happening all over the room. Yawning, sneezing, coughing. Darren likes to say farting. If you have been yawning, that is literally spirits leaving that are not God. So if you've been yawning, you think, oh my gosh, that's so rude. No, actually, because spirits are breath. So when we yawn, when we go into this place, it's like, oh wow, okay, maybe that was some fear just leaving my body. Maybe that was some confusion just leaving my body. So when you go and you pray in that place and yawning for Darren, it's farting. So if we do this, you might not want to sit next to him. No, I'm just kidding. But it really is. I'm seeing lots of you yawning, and that I, I, that's wonderful. It just means that you're letting go of all of that stuff that we're not that isn't ours. It's not ours, and it's not who we are, right? Can we just tell God we love Him? Let's just tell Him that we love Him. And isn't it good <laughs> to be able to call Him our Father? Isn't that a wonderful privilege? Because he loves us so much. And he's so good to us. He's so good. He's so good. I invite you to stay in this place as long as you would like to. I'm going to let Kelsey come up and close us out. But if you are receiving, I'm going to ask us just to kind of keep a, just like a little mellow, just chill, peaceful attitude going in here. Because I know that there are so people receiving because I still see yawning going on. (laughs) So Kelsey, if you would come on up.